All right, boys and girls. Class is in session. Living Chamber of Commerce. Our town conversations with friends. I have my friend. Jim Fry of the Linden School District, Superintendent King Cheese, at least at the school. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing well, Gary. Thanks for having me on today. You bet. You bet. You are you are person number three, I believe, that has been drugged through this process. So don't set your standards too high. Um, I grade myself on a curve. Uh, it'll it'll be a good conversation. Okay. Looking forward to it. Excellent, excellent. So part of the reason we asked Jim in is we're going to talk a little bit about levies and some about bonds maybe and the differences there but first thing i want to know and we want to share is how did jim fry what was his journey to get to be superintendent of the linden school district well i didn't prepare for that question but <laughs> i've got a, a quick bio for you um i've been in education for 30 plus years worked in three different districts linden being my third uh, was a teacher, a coach, a counselor, uh, an assistant principal, a principal, an assistant superintendent, um, and then finally um, applied for and received the job at Linden about 10 years ago. And so that's the quick and dirty of it. Uh, I was in the Mount Baker School District for 11, 10 years and in the Brewster School District for 11 years prior to this. And Brewster's on the other side of the hill. Yeah. Correct? Yep. Kind of egg country? North central Washington, um, 70 miles northeast of Wenatchee. How big, a, how big a district is that? Uh, 800 to 1,000 kids at that time. Oh, roughly, wow. roughly about the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't much. And you went there via Mount Vernon, SPU? Um, actually, I went to school, high school in LaConnor. Oh, um, oh. Finally graduated from college from SPU. Uh, took a couple stops along the way before That's okay. finishing up. and then. Uh, That's okay. I'm still on the first stop. Yeah, so it's uh, been many many stops and uh, <laughs> nice. lots of good experiences and uh, great people in education. That's part of the reason I love and enjoy this work is the people that we could interact with as well as kids and families. So cool. And you married a, a local. Yep, my wife local is lady. my wife is from Linden. Actually, she moved to Linden when she was in the eighth grade. Spent um, uh, four or five years here, and then uh, went off to SPU as well, is where we met. Oh, oh, Seattle romance. Yep. Cool. Well, okay. Now we know why you got here. Now, what does being a superintendent involve? Um, part of the reasons, um, a number of reasons I like uh, being a superintendent is I get to do a lot of different stuff. It's not the same every day. Each day is different. And from budgeting to curriculum instruction to working with parents and families to um, just the the 350, no, 500, excuse me, 350 was a while ago, 500 employees and 3,500 oh, wow. 3, kids. Um, wow. preschool to age 21. Um, we just do a lot of different wow. things. And so I get to have my finger in a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then working with the board of directors to kind of oversee and uh, supervise and uh, set the stage for, you know, what our educating our kids is going to be like. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we have a good situation in Linden. Our board does a great job, really appreciate their five volunteer service. Yes, there's five board members. All elected. All elected. By us, yep. the citizens. As long as you vote. As long as you vote, that's right. If yeah. you don't vote, you didn't get a say in it. Yeah. So you 3,500 students. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's quite a few students. And you said up to age 21, and that's because you have um, some special programs um, to, to help out. Yeah, the, the age um, 18 to 21 programs called our Community Transitions, students working on transitioning uh, from high school to the world of work and careers. Um, we have about 10 kids in that program right oh, now. Nice, nice, nice. And those are kids that are maybe need a little extra attention. Yeah, they're students who have an IEP, an individual okay. education okay. plan. And so 
their individual education plan calls for some transitional right. services um, and great kids who are out there working in the community and Good deal. Um, you know, uh, building skills and building knowledge ready to be independent. So Excellent. And you have how many, how many campuses? Camp I? Is there a plural? I don't know. We have <laughs> three, three elementary schools, um, a middle school, a high school, and a parent partnership program um, that has about uh, 250 to 280 kids. Maybe it's 300, 280 to 300 kids this year. And so we have six locations. If you count community transitions, yeah. which is in a separate building as well in town, we have seven. So Okay. Okay. And the newest ones are Fisher and the middle school. Yep. Fisher and the middle school. I'm fortunate to have the community to support a bond back in 2015 to build two new schools. And we replaced Fisher with a new building and the middle school with a new building on a different site. So it's no longer in the middle of town. And we're in the process of doing some remodeling, repurposing of the what we call the Main Street campus to include some preschool classrooms and then move the district offices to that location as well. And that's a good example of how us Dutch like to reuse buildings because that particular building has been a high school, a middle school, and now back to offices or now two offices mm -hmm. and other services yeah. for the community. Yeah, other services as well. We're going to consolidate all of our um, district operations and programs. So our district office staff, categorical program staff, um, we have a community um, services component, uh, you know, for some family community services, sorry about that. Our technology staff is there. Um, our facilities and grounds, district facility and grounds maintenance um, staff will be there as well. So we have consolidated place and we think that that's going to provide some efficiencies and um, make sure that we're able to a little better work together on the things that are going on in the district. And I know, I know there's always disputes when Gary brings out numbers, but I'll bring, I'm going to bring up a number. I believe that, and it's a year, I believe the building that the grounds and maintenance team is in was built around 1915. That would be the uh, that would be the grounds shop is where we Correct. have our equipment yeah, and yeah. Uh, not their uh, office, supplies, not their offices. Their their offices are actually going to be in the um, classrooms behind the old shop. Oh, and perfect. that was a, a more recent addition, and I don't recall the exact date, but it's uh, right. You know, it's a seventies, I believe, probably. Yeah, so I think it was done the same time as the roundhouse for. Those of you who remember the yeah. building in the back. Yeah. So I, if I had to guess, I'd say 1979. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. But you brought up a bond mm -hmm. and now we're talking levy. Yeah. Tell us the difference between a bond and a levy. And um, it's a good distinction to make. Um, the Because we don't do this very often, I, I think it gets kind of lost in the shuffle. But uh, an easy way to think about it is that bonds are for building, levies are for learning. So uh, a bond, which is, um, you know, a 20-year payback, and it raises a large amount of money for a major building project or remodel. That would be a bond, and it requires a 60% passage um, approval rate. A levy um, really addresses a more short-term need it's for a smaller amount and really um, focuses in on most of the programs in the district. It okay. does support some maintenance and technology and some other things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's um, around uh, additional staffing, um, salaries for competitive wages, retention, um, curriculum supplies, materials, uh, programs that are not fully funded by the state that we know we need more revenues in order to be um, uh, to do as good a job as we can for kids who qualify for those. So we yep. so that's what that levy uh, that's what a levy is for. It really supports the learning programs in the district. So they've this the state <clears throat> has set it up so they fund basic mm -hmm. stuff. But if you go beyond that basic which most schools do. I don't know of one that doesn't. I don't know of one that doesn't either, yeah. Then 
you need supplemental income from the community. Yeah. Correct? Um, yeah. And it's not that the state doesn't provide funding for programs, but right. um, oftentimes that funding doesn't fully support the need of the program or the kids in that program. For example, in special education, we probably spend about a million dollars more than what is provided for by the state and the feds. We get federal special ed as well. Same thing for our high cap program for uh, programs. What's high cap? Highly capable. So oh. students who qualify yeah. for highly capable services. Um, in addition to students who um, re- uh, qualify for English language learning support, who are oh, second yeah. language learners, yeah. um, and a variety of other things that, uh, while we do get money, and the state has increased funding for schools, um, but there's still, uh, there's still a gap between what is needed and what the state provides. When you say basic, it really is what the state defines as basic, not necessarily what you actually need to fulfill Correct. that basic need. So um, there's a little bit of a gap there, and, and we okay. continue to require a need uh, local level to uh, fill that gap. In addition to the funding for programs, all of our athletics programs are levy-funded. There's not basic ed, state money for that. Um, so, so basketball, football, tennis. Yeah, tennis. Do we yeah. have a bowling team yet? No, we don't have a bowling oh, team. So no bowling team. Um, so any athletics is funded by, um, by the levy in addition to um, supplementing money that would be received through the general fund for activities, clubs, drama, music, that sort of stuff, where um, we just know that the money that we receive from the state isn't adequate to fill the need right. that is there. And and one of the things you have taught me in the past was there is kind of a correlation between after-school activities and student success. Yeah, I would generalize it more to student connections. The The more okay. that we connect yeah. kids yeah. in, whether it be an after-school right. activity, a club, um, a sport, uh, a band, music, drama, whatever that hook is, we are more um, we are more able to make sure that they're going to be successful. They have a reason to be there. And so that investment in those things is really important to the achievement of students because it keeps them here. It's what interests them. Right. Um, not that the academics don't interest them, but there's a, there's a hook there. And we want to make sure that we connect with every kid. Well, we can talk about academics interesting kids, but I'm not going to bring up my <laughs> grades right now. Well, so I wasn't around when you were here. Work. but I think if you would have been, it would have been a whole different world for me. I just want to say that right now. Sure. And I would still like to get a hold of those permanent records, uh, but not doing that. So we've explained a little bit about what the difference between a bond and a levy is. Now, do we got two different levies we're looking at? We do. Um, We have um, one called an educational programs and operations levy, and that's actually what we call a replacement levy because it replaces the current levy that is in that is uh, that was approved by voters in 2016 for collection 2017 to 2020. It's a four year bond four four year levy. Excuse me. There, there, I did it as well. Um, And so this is a replacement levy. We've had a levy on our books for many many years. Uh, as far back as I could remember and, and as I could look. Um, and this levy represents about 12%, 13% of the district's budget. In past years, the the levy re- represented about 20 to 24% of the budget. So um, the state has funded school districts at a higher level. And what you see as the result of that is that we're going out for a proportionately smaller share, smaller contribution from the community right. for that. Okay. Um, now, the amount of the levy is a little bit lower larger, higher than what was approved in 2016. Um, but we've also grown significantly in those last four years. So and is so that the dollar amount? The dollar amount, yeah. The dollar amount's yeah. increased, which makes sense. We've got more people. We've got more students yeah. to serve. We've got a higher budget. It's, yeah, so it's a less, right. so that, that money right. that we're asking for is 
uh, a smaller proportion of that budget. Okay. Now, how are we comparing to a couple of years ago or four years ago? In regards to? The le- actual levy rate. The actual levy rate. Um, hold on a second here. I'll get my paper no so problem. I don't get it wrong. No problem. Um, accuracy first. Accuracy first. So uh, this levy, the collection starts in 2020. 21 and okay. the rate is two dollars and 37 cents per thousand that's a projected rate okay. we actually on the ballot you actually prove an amount and then the rate right. is calculated but Correct. in order to get there you have to project a rate and so we certainly have had a lot of growth in linden and that's going to impact the rate so the rate may change a little bit but the amount is going to stay the same so Correct. property value goes up you're still going to collect the same amount it'll be a different right. rate it's like for, going out for dinner mm-hmm. and we're, we're dinner's a hundred bucks and if there's Two of us, we're each going to pay 50 but if we can find four friends, dinner just got a lot cheaper. Yeah, as long as you right. only spend 100 bucks. Right, yeah. right. You're so, only going to get yeah. 100 bucks. Yeah. They're only going to bill us 100 Yeah, so yes, Perfect. then you spread it out for right. um, to more people. So that's the initial rate. Um, and it would actually, the projected rate uh, in the fourth year of the levy is $2.50 per thousand. So it goes up a few, um, about 13 cents over the four years. Um, and we collect between $6.7 million and $8 million. Uh, dollars. So those, and those uh, are, those are just projections because if there's any growth in the community, the rates are projections, the, the dollar, rates are the dollar pro- amounts are firm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. So when growth happens, that rate's going to go down. It's going to be spread out between more people. If it's more people um, uh, moving in and, and there's new homes or new properties. Yeah. Um, if values just go up, um, the rate would go down, but a, uh, a taxpayer would pay about the same right. if, there's, so, if it's just valued, if it's just increase in value. So what's the process that uh, the board goes through to determine what they want to do? Well, um, we have a budget process that begins, I don't know, January of each year. So we're just kind of starting on this for next year, our budget. Um, and we determine uh, the needs of the district. We look at our expenses coming up, big projects, things that are coming on, um, our salary and staffing costs and a variety of other things. You determine what you think is needed in order to run the district in its current state and if you need to add something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come up with an amount. So what we did last year was take a look at our current budget, our projections, determine uh, what was appropriate to run the programs um, and and factoring in for inflation and growth and came up with these numbers. And so they're conservative numbers in the sense that they're they are not, um, there's not big new things in this stuff. It's just a continuation for the most part of what we're doing and then to address some growth. So we have 900 kids at the high school. Um, you know, there's we've added about six or 700 kids district wide in the last five six years. It's uh, yeah, actually the number is 700 in the last five or six years. And so that coming with what comes with that is uh, additional needs. We're out of classroom space at elementary schools. We may have to add some portables, that sort of stuff, to make sure that we have classrooms for kids. So. Um, and right. it, uh, it really balances the budget. It doesn't necessarily create um, any excess uh, fund balance or anything for okay. us. Over the how how, how of do time. you, how do you, or how does the board, uh, with your help, I'm sure, I know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how do you project or, or come up with a good guesstimate of the number of new students that can come um, in in the next four yeah, years? Yeah, no, it's a little bit of a crystal ball, but you, yeah. you do look at past growth, you look at, um, kind of housing starts in the district, what's the yeah. developments, and you try to use your best judgment on what you think is going to happen. And sometimes we hit it right, and sometimes we were a little bit off. Um, for example, this year we were off um, to the good side, meaning that we had more kids than we planned for, and it was about 75. Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, we were actually over what actually came in. Uh, the trend showed some growth. We anticipated that. We factored it in, and then we had 50 less kids than what we had budgeted for. And so then you're, 
right. trying to figure out what to do because your revenues then are tied to that student enrollment. Right, right. So you and you get a set dollar amount mm-hmm. from the state yep. per student. Yep. For the year, and they've got a, a, a there's an attendance requirement too. No, there's no attendance requirement. It's you know you don't get you don't get credit for a kid if it's only coming half time. You don't get right, you don't right. get a one full time FTE yeah, for it. But uh, it's not based on whether students come to school or not. If okay. you're enrolled, you're part of that apportionment number. Okay. If you're not, you're not. Okay. Now, how do how how about um, kids that are out of the district? I know we get a mm-hmm. few. That it's probably a very very small number. Um, I would doubt it's. Yeah. Um, let me see. So district wide, we have about, uh, let me see here. I brought a number with me, make sure I get it correct as well. Um, I've worked with Jim before. He's all about having his numbers. Correct. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I guesstimate and then I have to come back and <laughs> say, oops, I made a mistake. So, um, district wide, it looks like we have about 285 students who are what we call choice in. Excuse me. Hold on a second. Two hundred and fifty. Okay. Who are choiced in, and a hundred and fifty of, of those are at the Linden Academy, which is our parent partnership okay. program. In our um, bricks and mortar school, if you want to call it that way, uh, we have about a hundred students who have choiced in. Um, in our regular, and then we have about a hundred and eighty-five students who have actually choiced out. So we actually have more kids in the district who have choiced to go to another school um, rather than kids who have choiced okay. in. Okay. Okay. Now, does that include um, kids who have been determined by the state to be homeless? Um, Would that they, wouldn't, okay. they wouldn't be they in wouldn't that calendar. No. These are, these are uh, students whose parents or guardians came in and said to the school district, student would like to, or we would like to have student in this school system. Yes. For whatever reason, it's not going well in another one and we need to. Or, yeah, there's um, student work or parent work uh, issues. Um, not Not issues, but they work in certain places. Right. They might have a, they might want to take their child right. someplace else or here. Um, daycare might work into that. They may want to transfer based on, right. you know, where somebody's living so they can have child care after or before school. Um, even There's even, a variety of reasons. Yeah, even parents who have moved, mm-hmm. not, you know, their choice was to move. They mm-hmm. went somewhere else and yeah. now they would like junior to finish up his yeah. ju- senior year yeah junior year yeah most of the time district. most of the time those are just parental and family choices um, and okay. requests it's not because but a of small the, amount it's yeah. i mean overall percentage wise yeah percentage wise when you look at um you know other than linden academy which is you know, certainly a, a request that uh, parents have and and that's um, for uh for those of who don't know Linden Academy is for homeschooled? It's a what's called a parent partnership program. Okay. So students or families who are homeschooling their children but are partnering with the school district okay. and students are coming to school day or two days a week and we're collaborating on a student learning plan um, and monitoring student progress that way rather than students coming every day. Right. So parents are responsible for part of that instruction and learning at home and we have a we have a part and responsibility when they're coming to school and then it's a partnership. Excellent. Very common. Um, okay, so what are you going to be spending this money on? Well, the the EPNO levy, um, which is uh, educational programs and operations, and it's okay. the replacement levy that uh, replaces the current levy in place. Um, it really supports all school district operations and programs. And so I'll just read you a list here: additional staff, teachers, counselors, nurses, etc., instructional materials and supplies, professional learning. Um, What's professional learning? Um, it's training for staff, building capacity and expertise, okay. um, becoming better teachers, trying to make sure that we are always learning. You and get a new curriculum in. 
Um, they need to be trained. That that That's could be part of that it. could be part of it. Yep. It also could be just the refinement of our current practice, right, um, right. learning new skills, uh, trying to meet the needs of all kids, and that requires ongoing monitoring and adjustments. Right. Nope. Um, programs for students who are learning a second language. Our preschool and early learning program, um, some of it is paid for by the state and some of it is uh, local funded. Uh, special education, meaning students who have an IEP, highly capable program. IEP is an individualized ed- education, education plan. plan. Yes. Okay, very good. Yep. Um, student transportation, so we run a lot of buses and uh, have a lot of kids on buses. And Yes, we do. Um, sometimes that costs a little more than what the state provides. Sometimes we break even. Correct. Um, athletics, extracurricular activities, facility maintenance and repairs. Um, uh, focus last couple of years have been on emergency and safety improvements. This provides those for schools. So, um, you know, improving our ability to maintain a safe, uh, school environment right. for kids. So I just can't walk in the building. No, not anymore. anymore. You can't. And drift. Yeah. No. Around. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you got to get buzzed in. And, um, and, and I think our schools do a pretty good job of making sure who is coming into our schools is, is known. I haven't stolen asking, as many crayons as and I used asking to. about that. So. Yeah, and then um, some extended school year, summer school. Um, those were paid paid okay. for by Levy Cox. Okay, okay. Yeah, and there's others as well. That's just a kind of a, a front list right. of it. Right, right, right. So. And those make up those make up many many areas of the education that we're providing mm-hmm. these kids. Yes, I mean, it's, it's a, huge. It really speaks to the kind of the whole package that is uh, being provided for kids. Right, right. Okay, now the second one. Yep is called the second one this is a new a new levy that we're requesting and it's actually been in conversation for a few years as we've talked about the increase in technology integration into the learning program Um, when i went to school we started with a trs-80 from radio shack (laughs) and two of us were in a closet playing with it right we're trying to figure this thing out Um, you know technology has become part of everything that we do and in order to provide a technology-rich and equitable environment, um, we're finding that it's hard to do that across all of our schools for all of our classrooms and students without additional funds to do that. And it requires um, some device replacements. We don't have a one-to-one program. We decided that uh, that while other places were doing that, we could accomplish the same thing by by having appropriate devices that students right. can u- utilize and engage with rather than giving every kid an, a laptop. That's not what this is about. I, I believe Marysville has that. Yeah, um, there's a number of places that yeah, do. Yeah, so it's not yeah, uncommon. It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon um, at all. But pretty expensive to maintain right. and, uh, and to hold. And so what we decided was that in order to provide that environment for kids, um, we weren't going to be able to do that effectively um, with just general fund money. And so we've identified a certain amount for staff training around integration in learning and, and instruction device replacement. And then the other one that's emerging um, more recently is just a safe network, a safe and accessible network. And more and more we hear of organizations being um, hacked hacked and then ransomed and stuff like that. And so in order to keep our student information safe, in order to make sure that our resources are safe, we need a, a safer and more secure environment in which we are doing that right. work. And so part of that is you know, network servers and things that would go into creating a safe environment and, and a, an accessible uh, um, network So I can't get in and change those permanent records yeah, I've been you're, talking we're about. Gonna, we're, we've got you in mind as we're doing this. So, <laughs> so half of this levy is for technology for those purposes, and half then is for facilities. Um, and, you know, we just bought two new – we just um, built two new schools. Yeah. And, and, excuse me, people may ask, well, what do you need more money for – Uh, maintenance for? Well, we do have some older schools, um, some significant uh, needs around roofing and building envelopes and systems. 
And again, these are larger than maybe your general fund would be able to support. And so half of this levy is then for that purpose as well. Um, upgrading mechanical systems, HVAC, maintaining parking lots that uh, may have potholes and stuff that need to be sealed, emergency mm -hmm. systems and lighting. We need a generator at schools, that sort of stuff. And that really doesn't fit well into that, um, into the maintenance or into the regular levy, the EPNO or the general fund. And so we identified a set of projects over four years in regards to technology and facilities and, and school security um, and are asking for about 750 to 800,000 per year for four years. Rates about 25 to 27 cents per thousand on as projected. It's about $100, 87 to $100. Um, a year for um, uh, property valued at about $350,000. Okay. So okay. Um, it really is for specific things um, that we've listed. And on our website, we have a lot of information if people want to go look. And, and that website is? Uh, linden.wednet.edu. Correct. Did I get it right? Yeah, yeah I, I think never so. look at that. I just automatically go there. <laughs> um, and so we have some of that information, and it really does, I think, provide a, a good sense of what that levy will provide for the district over the next over the course of the next four years. Um, you know, we've got, I said, I mentioned roofs to start with. And I think it's, you know, um, projected to be have about a hundred, 800 to a million dollars worth of roofing projects we need to take care of in the next four or five years. And so this would start us on because that. Because you've got buildings um, mm -hmm. that are, well, I know the high school, I believe, was 81 was when it 1980, was built. 1981, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, we've got that. We're still using, even mm -hmm. though we've added some new buildings there, but we still got the main core we need to yep. take care of. We've got the uh, ISM. Um, ISM new. had a new roof about 10 years ago, okay. and I think we put a 40-year roof on that one, so hopefully we've got another 30 Beauty. years on that one. Beauty. Yeah, That was one of the Beauty. first things I, I was involved with. It was already started when I got here, but... Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, board at that time decided a, a heftier roof would be good. <laughs> so, go big or go yeah, home. there you go. Good, good. Yeah, because these facilities, they I mean, they age like any, mm -hmm. other, uh, any other building or structure, uh, not unlike people's homes. Only uh, I try to remind people with any public facility, uh, take your home and invite 500 of your yeah. friends over every day and see how well that carpet holds up. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it's a larger scale as well, especially when you look at the size and uh, the oh, volume yeah. that is there. And so, <laughs> yes. so yes. we want to be good stewards and we want to make sure we take care of our facilities and, and, and utilize them as a district and a community asset. And right. one of the ways we do that is we need, to, we need to do some maintenance on them, some bigger maintenance on them from time to time. Um, what do you see is the big, the big um, technology where we need to come up on technology? Um, as a system, we need to be more consistent with uh, the tools that we're providing teachers in classrooms. Okay. And the access to tools and a network that. What kids, do you mean by tools? Um, so in our new schools, we were able to put um, an interactive flat panel screen. Uh, oh, if yeah. Everybody's been there, and so that's a that's a teaching tool. If used so well, so it's like a smart board. Um, I think it's is different. A generic it, term? Nah, it's, no, it's different than a smart board in okay. that it is actually a, a TV screen. It's okay. not just a projected screen. Interactive. Interactive. You can have an, um, a variety of touches on that screen at one time. Um, so that's a tool, a, a projector, an amplification system in classrooms, not only for teachers but for students who would benefit from an amplification system. Um, uh, document camera, um, a computer. Um, and in our case, we're, we're, we've moved to laptops for teachers as they collaborate with others so that that is a portable 
tool that they yeah. use and it's not attached to a desktop. Right, right. Um, so we have those in two of our schools um, and the other three do not. And we, okay. have, we have projectors and some other things, but it doesn't provide an equitable environment. Um, and the same thing for kids. Um, in addition to that, we have, um, we have cobbled together uh, devices for students to use. And we're basically on a two-to-one, kind of a two-to-one ratio. And, you know, depending upon budgets, how much money we can put to replacement right. and stuff. Um, and if you're not careful, those things can get out of whack. And now you're working with a 10 or 11-year-old machine. Um, right. And the time lost in trying to boot it up and accessing it. And, and, and then at some point in time, the software is not supported. Correct. And so we've had we've had circumstance like that, and so this this levy, the t- facilities and technology levy, will address those for the next four years, and we'll get to a good cycle, and we'll try to uh, modernize some classrooms, and then create a um, a network that's really safe. Well, I know there was um, times when teachers couldn't. Certain teachers couldn't email other teachers because their programs were so old. Yeah, it's like so we, you have we di- don't talk anymore. Yeah, you have different systems on different yeah. machines depending upon their age, and right. that's not good for an organization. Right. So will so. this help bring it all? <laughs> like we're gonna all the boats will rise at the same time, that's, or that's, we're gonna ripple it through in four years? But well, our hope is you're not collecting all the money at one time. Right, so there right. is a there is a kind yeah. of a se- sequence yeah. to that. But um, the intent is that to level that playing field for all teachers and students. Um, and then provide a safe environment for kids. And so, um, again, it's uh, it's it's twenty six cents per thousand. It's a hundred bucks a year, roughly. And we think that this will do a good job of getting us to that place of equity and consistency. And so, then, what's the total again for the two, um, roughly? So, it's uh, in the first two years, the amount to be collected is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Then you divide that between facilities and technology. Oh, okay. And then the second two years, it's eight hundred thousand dollars. And again, you divide it between um, facilities and technology. And so, you know, you have roughly three fifty to $400,000 per okay. year to address okay. those things. The other thing that I think is really crucial for us is training for staff to, to better use technology right. and right. integrate it into the learning system. Um, Correct. Without that training, you're, you're kind of relying on people who have the time or interested or you right. really want to do that. And others, um, whether it's life circumstances or, or other things that aren't adept at that. So we need to create a system for that that addresses all teachers as opposed to just yeah. the hit and miss that maybe we're it, doing It's now. like me getting a new phone, and I know how to get my email, and I know how to surf the social media. I don't know how to do anything else on there but dial when it'll do a million different yeah, things. And, and having some teaching and training around that will help your use <laughs> yeah, of that. Yeah, so. yeah. Not everybody likes to do my <laughs> fail and try again method. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to students, that's yeah. probably not the greatest idea. Yeah, I think it's also important to remember that we don't want to do technology for technology's sake. It's this is not, hey, we got some cool tools. Right. We want to improve learning and we want to engage kids at a, at a deeper level. And so that's the purpose of that. It's not just to get some cool stuff out there. Correct. Um, we live in a, an environment and a society that is dependent upon technology. I think we want our kids to be skilled when they go, whether they're going to college, whether they're going into a career, um, and to be comfortable. Um, If they don't have those things, they're going to be behind a bit. They will catch up depending upon the circumstance, but really we want to engage kids better. We want to improve learning. Uh, We want to make this, uh, you know, er we want to make learning accessible to all, and we want to expand beyond the classroom. Um, And technology allows us to do that. Yeah, so so when when you have these two levies, um, and you go put the request forward. Do the voters are they voting yes on two yes. separate ones on the ballot? Okay. There are two. There are okay. two separate uh, boxes to check yes on. Okay, and we're we're encouraging them to 
Check both boxes, yes. You are encouraging them. I'm providing information. Oh, yes. You're, yes, yes. Well, I'm technically not encouraging you either. However, okay. that doesn't mean I think it wouldn't be a bad idea if you did. Yeah. Um, so back to, back to some of the learning mm-hmm. programs that this helps support. Um, the preschools, especially. Yep. How many, roughly, how many kids we got in the preschool system? Oh, boy. I'm going to guess a little bit. It's over, is it um, 150 okay. to 200, I think? And these are the youngins coming yep. in. Grades, uh, ages three and four. Which, which in many cases helps facilitate um, a parent being able to work outside the home. Um, for parents who um, opt their kid into preschool or apply and are accepted yeah. in our preschool, that may be their purpose. Yeah. They may just want a preschool opportunity for their Correct. child, so yeah. I, I couldn't tell you for sure. Right. Um, we have a, a blended preschool model, which means that we have students who have been identified at those ages of having a learning need. Um, okay. And then we have what we call peers. And so it's a blended model, some with learning needs, some normally developing that don't have those same learning needs. And we feel that's like a really, really powerful um, way to go about preschool um, as opposed to just having a special ed preschool or vice versa. And so and where's where's the preschools held? Preschools right now are at Linden Academy at the old City Bible Church, okay. Rittenauer, is it Rittenauer Courts now? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Something Luke's like that. place. Luke's place. There you go. <laughs> and uh, so they have a they have three classrooms down there. Um, and they'll be moving to the Main Street campus, the old middle school, once the okay. classroom, the preschool classrooms okay. get uh, finished there in August. Okay, okay. But the Linden Academy will still stay down at the other one? Linden Academy will stay down there. Okay, again. okay. Because that's a growing program, too, so they're going to need space. They, so they will yeah, need space, and so that provides on for some. On. Yep. on and on and on and on and on. Yep. And now back to balancing the technology a little bit. Um, as these kids learn... Uh, a lot of times they pick up on it faster than we do, or us more experienced folk do. Mm-hmm. Why? The state doesn't seem to fund teachers' training in that kind of stuff. Is they do it? provide funding for teacher training. They yeah, do. They, yeah, there's a there's a couple of pockets for training. Um, we have title what's called Title Two dollars, and then there's an allocation um, through the general through the general allocation the apportionment as well that you can use for for teacher training. What we find though is that that doesn't provide enough teacher training to cover the gamut of things that teachers are experiencing or need um, to learn or need to learn or, okay. or interested in learning. And so whether it be, um, you know, literacy instruction um, at primary grades or, you know, math instruction at the high school, we do have funding for it, but it doesn't cover what the, what the needs are of the staff. And Pretty so this good. would, this would be specifically um, earmarked for right. technology training around technology. Okay. Okay. That works well. We mm-hmm. want our teachers as smart as our kids. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, uh, fact is they're going to learn faster than some of us anyway. And so. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, but being equipped in the classroom to facilitate learning is really. And we want to train them what it can really do, yeah. not just what they think they can do. Yeah, this and isn't about social media. It's right, not about, no. you know, you know, when <laughs> I say social media, how to, how to, you know, what we use yeah. technology right. for right. kind of in our, in our right. outside of work or school life. There are some specific strategies, skills necessary to facilitate learning with kids. Well, one and of the things I found interesting um, that I learned was the the use of the interactive boards where that could be recorded mm-hmm. and placed on YouTube or yeah. somewhere well, else. Post it to your, dist- your school board or your, your classroom website for right. notes. Uh, kids right. can go home, access those. Right. Yeah. So, so a lot of times a parent like myself, my children are older now. Um, so I don't have to do this anymore. But they often knew things that I different didn't. 
and were taking classes that I had never heard of mm -hmm. or had heard about, but, you know, wasn't in. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a way for not only parents to see what the kids are doing, but kids to review and kind of help themselves a little bit um, as they're doing homework. Yeah, there, extra it, credit. Yeah, just it, op learn. it opens up a lot of opportunities that maybe we didn't have um, back in the day. Um, we didn't. We didn't. I'm just yeah. here to tell you, well, we did. Th it may have been done in some other ways, right? Yeah, after so, school. Well, okay. So anyway, it does. <laughs> it's it does provide detention, Jim. Yeah, detention. I, I I never went to detention. Whatever. I saw your name carved on yeah. the wall next to mine. <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. About Jim, not mm -hmm. me. <laughs> so so. In all this school stuff, as we talk about it, um, it becomes a big concern for the community as we move forward on um, how far out are you guys looking? I mean, on, on, on your planning. Plan, uh, planning for growth and that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. it's um, We actually have a pretty good um, projected plan around uh, growth. Um, I've, done, I've had a, a company come in and do an enrollment study. Okay. Um, and as all good studies are, um, the year after they did it, it was out of date and we had grown outgrown what their projection was. And so, you know, you do your best effort to try to get a, a plan yeah. and then you have to respond to the current circumstance because it could go the other way too. You Correct. have a growth projection, something happens and all of a sudden you lose kids. Right. Um, so we, we do have, uh, and have been working on facility planning, um, in as it relates to student growth. Um, I mentioned earlier, we have about over 900 kids kind of walking halls at the high school at certain times and in a school that was built for about 550. They've had additional classroom wings um, for classrooms in the in past years. Yeah. Um, so we have classrooms for the most part, but we really uh, struggle with our common spaces, cafeteria, our right. drama and arts area, our science labs, and a variety of areas that just need to be upgraded. And so because um, that cafeteria is the same one at mm -hmm. the high school is the same one I used yeah. many, many yeah. moons when ago. When you did have 500 kids there. Yeah. Well, we didn't even have 500 kids. Okay. I think we had, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, we were at about probably 350, okay. somewhere in there yeah. for all four grades. And they had built in a little growth because my, oh, my, absolutely. my uh, um, literature says it was built for a 5550. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So... Actually, in 2021, February 2021, we will have um, a bond for a high school, and that includes some remodel of space and some new space, okay. uh, new square footage. Um, that, that was approved by the board a while ago um, as the result of a couple of facility committees' recommendations that we need to address the growth at the high school. Yeah. Um, and the building is getting of age as well. Right. And so you can kind of kill two birds with one stone there. The question, though, is what we do with our elementary population. Um, currently we have about 1600 students in our three elementary schools. Okay. Um, and, uh, at Vosbeck and Isom, we have, I don't know, six or seven portables each. Um, uh, Fisher, we actually have an empty classroom or two. Okay. Um, so we have, we can accommodate some growth there. Right. Um, so the question would be, should we, should we then add a fourth elementary school? It's going to come at some point in time in the next few years. Right. Um, Vosbeck and Ison would say we need it right now because of the, the overcrowding they have. Right. Um, because when you add portables, you, that doesn't say anything for your cafeteria, your gym, your bathrooms. Um, your, the, co your the core is still the, the same. The core is still the same. And so um, we're going to do a little process here in the second half of the year to determine whether or not we should add that fourth elementary on 
to that bond in next February as well. And we do have um, 10 acres over by the new middle school that we didn't use. It was a 30-acre parcel. We used right. about 20, and it could house a, a fourth elementary school. Right. So you wouldn't have to buy land. So um, that, an- that question has to be answered moving yeah. forward. But I, I think it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when right. on those things. So yeah. looking forward on those. And then when you look at the development in the community, eventually to Pepin Creek and all the homes that would go there, um, we need to make sure we have a plan for that. And, and depending upon the city's process and when that's going to be available, we'll kind of determine um, right. how you implement that because that'll require um, some more facilities if we get that many houses and families moving into the community. And I know the school district um, and along with the uh, Linden Regional Park and Recreation District, uh, you guys do communicate with the city of mm-hmm. Linden. So all parties yep. are aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm even in regards to taxpayers, um, growth issues, growth-related issues, infrastructure, and all the way down to uh, roads are going to be a little slick today. Yeah. Maybe we don't want to have school. <laughs> yes, there is that. Um, let me see. Yeah, the we've had a, a, a two or three combined meetings, um, and it's just good to be aware of uh, what's going on across our community. And so we participate that and think that there's a great value in that conversation. That's good. Um, you know, the challenge for us is when we're out of space, it's going to cost us money to put portables in. That's Correct. how you address that. And those are anywhere from, you know, $100,000 to $150,000 per portable, depending upon where you buy it and what uh, services you need to bring into it. Whether it's And they've got a limited yet. lifespan. Yeah, also. it's amazing how long portables last. <laughs> um, portables, uh, oftentimes it's a joke that uh, portables aren't necessarily temporary. They're actually permanent, but they're portable. So, you know, and so that's what happens. But, uh, yeah, but we've got over half a school, if you're looking at elementary yeah. numbers, uh, in portables. And right you guys now. did reuse some portables. Yes, we did. We reused a couple this year. We moved yeah. them from, actually, the, the two portables we moved this year have moved twice in the last two years. They were moved to uh, the old middle school. Actually, it's three years. They were, they were moved to the old middle school a couple of years ago to accommodate a, a larger class size there. Okay. And when those guys moved to the new school, they sat for a year, and then we moved them to Vospec last year. So we just we moved them around. They're the but very portables. Yeah, they're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. But not the ideal learning no, environment by no, any stretch. it really isn't. It's a, a little bit of an isolating environment for uh, staff and, and students when you get in a portable outside of the regular school. There's all sorts of safety concerns that come up right. because it's harder to secure that uh, space as well. Okay, now my random questions, yep. which I'd like to ask. Okay, I'm ready. How do you determine whether the snow is sufficient that you will not go to <laughs> school? And I know you communicate with <laughs> other schools, Elsie yeah. um, and Ebenezer, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, every school district's environment's a little different. So, if we Actual environment. Actual environment. Yeah, the outdoors. Outdoors, whether it's hilly, uh, whether it's flat, whether you get the plows out whether you're right in the direct line of the Northeaster. So, you know, we talk to neighboring school districts and we drive roads and we, we have three people in the district that drive. We divvy up uh, the roads and we try to get out to most of them. And then uh, we, we talk to Lynn and Christian who, and Paul gets out and drives. And I think his uh, transportation, their transportation director gets out and drives. And so we, we cover the roads and then we make a determination of whether or not we feel um, it's safe enough for buses and then families or whether we, if we wait a little while and it's light and it'll be safe enough. Yeah. And so really the number so one, the, the number one factor, yeah, the two hour delay. Yeah. So the number one factor is whether we think it's safe for folks. And it's a tough call because sometimes it's safe in one place and not safe in another. Right, right. And, and you've what, also got to think about, which, um, again, you taught me this, 
It's not just did we get Susie and Billy into school. Are we going to get Susie and Billy home? Or are we going to have 600 students in the cafeteria that we have to take care of overnight? Yeah. Um, not that we'd actually keep them overnight. No, but. let's hope not. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a tougher one because then you're relying on the um, weather projection, right. the weather forecast, which isn't always <laughs> um, as accurate as you'd like. Not that what they're saying is going to happen doesn't happen. It's just when it's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. so you've got to use your judgment and, and there's a little bit of feel to my that. My trick knee isn't as Some people, accurate as it used to yeah, be. You you gotta find I can it. give you a couple of days notice, but that's about it. I yeah. can't tell you hours. Yeah. Usually our weather forecasters are pretty good. Um, even if they're off time-wise, usually right. what's coming is coming eventually. So, right. but so uh, how, you don't know for sure. How often do you guys, you communicate quite frequently with um, our partners at Lending Christian. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, we've got mm -hmm. two great school systems in uh, three, four, five, four. actually. Yeah. Um, if you count some of the smaller uh, private schools, but you, you communicate with them often. It's not like you're working in a void. So in regards to weather stuff or? In yeah. regards to a lot of different yeah. stuff. We've, we've actually collaborated quite a bit um, over the past couple of years on safety items um, where we feel like there's a community interest and need to, to collaborate and align practices to make sure we're informed about what other people are doing and uh, and then to work as a team on it. Right. And so with our uh, first responders, our fire department, our police department, uh, Whatcom County Sheriff's Department. So we've done a lot of that lately and, and feel good that, that we're kind of pulling on the same yeah. end of the rope. We're on the same team and uh, we our shared interest of our the kids in the Linden community really drives that. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to uh, mention, being a former lion myself, uh, it's great to see the support that Linden Christian Schools and Ebenezer and the others often give to Linden. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as, you know, they understand we have a unique role in the community as they do. Um, so it's really nice when they reach out and say, attaboys. Yeah, and, and if we can collaborate on um, staff training, mm -hmm. which we've done over the years, I know our elementary is on writing curriculum and strategies and, and other things. And uh, we're in the same community, we're serving families um, and we feel a, a, per, a moral purpose to do that. And so we do that together. So what's your biggest concern going forward? And don't talk about money. Can't talk about Can't money. Can't talk about money? Yeah. Because um, <laughs> that's universal. Yeah. <laughs> if I talk to any entity, public, publicly funded entity. But what are you, what are you looking at? Now, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, no, this is doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. But um, you, what are you hearing that's something we got to prepare for as a community to be ready to, wow, okay, this is different. Well, I, I think growth brings a lot of challenges, and one of the hallmarks and things we value in Linden is our community feel, our small community feel, and when you start to grow, you can get distracted or disengaged from that or disconnected from yeah. other folks, and so I think our challenge in our community is to maintain that. That's our yeah. strength. Um, you know, we're better together. Uh, we got to work harder at it when we're a little bit larger, and so we got to be really explicit in how we go about engaging. Um, if I think from the school perspective, we got to be very explicit about how we engage with our our families and our stakeholders. Um, as a community, though, we've got to recognize that that's a really positive thing. We can't let it slip away because right. once it slips away, then it's hard to rebuild. And so I think that challenge of growth is really the thing that we've got to make sure we. Um, keep our eye on and, and make sure that we don't just think that it's going to continue on as it always has. Don't think we're going to have a community just because we all live in the same place. Yeah. That's uh, you know, yeah. you know, neighbors, neighbors doesn't being a neighbor doesn't mean you're a neighborhood. It's, right. uh, it's what you do within that. And so right. I think that's the, that's one of those things that we want to make sure that as a community um, and as a school district in the community that we take very, we hold tightly to. Excellent. Excellent. Anything you'd like to wrap up with? 
Um, Anything on your heart? Well, on my heart, uh, most of the things on my heart right now are, uh, or what I'm thinking about is our levy coming up because it's a significant thing. And I um, appreciate uh, people who recognize that this is an investment into our children. Um, so appreciate the support that people provide with that. Um, and also acknowledge that, uh, that it's not necessarily um, an easy thing all the time. Um, and yet when I look at our stewardship, I think that we're doing a pretty good job of that and, and uh, would invite people to come and talk to me if they feel we're not. So, yeah. so in that case, that's if you, uh, if the, you had the option, I'm going to say this, <laughs> you can say it's correct <laughs> or wrong. Okay. You're all wrong this. Yeah. Um, if you had the option, you probably wouldn't go to the voters. If, 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 if you didn't have to, in a perfect, you wouldn't. In a perfect world, the the state would fully fund basic education, and the only things we would go for are things that the state didn't say right. was basic education. And, you know, when we have, um, you know, when we're funded for, you know, one nurse for all of our schools, but we have nurses in all of our schools in some fashion, that does that's not meeting the needs of kids. Correct. And so they are funding what they've said is basic ed, but it doesn't meet the needs of kids when you have health plans and allergies and all of the things yeah. going on, you have to have a nurse around. Right. So that's just one small example of that. And so um, in a perfect world, they would, you know, they've got a tough job. Uh, funds are limited yep, at the state. Absolutely. Uh, I don't want anybody to think that I don't think they're, that our, our representatives are trying hard and I sure appreciate the work that they're doing. It's, uh, it's tough to balance the requests and needs of all right. community organizations and, yeah. and, and running government. And so um, it's a tough challenge. And, uh, uh, and at the same time, um, in order to continue to run our schools, we, we need some local funds to do that. Anything else? Nope, that's good. You did good. All right. I want to thank you for coming in, my friend. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And if people got questions, the website again is? Linden.wednet.edu, and that's W-E-D-N-E-T dot E-D-U. Um, or just give me a call at the district office, 360-354-4443. Um, and then we, if you have a question, I'll hope to answer it or there's information on the website. You're extremely accessible and I appreciate that. Doors. And thank you for coming in today. Yeah. Doors always open. Excellent. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.